What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. For the fourth time in franchise history, the Philadelphia Eagles are headed to the Super Bowl just five years after the last one with a new head coach and a new quarterback. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to another edition of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on all pod platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your shows. If you are new to checking out BGN Radio, be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, leave those reviews. Each and every one does help bring Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio to more eyes and ears of NFL fans. Eagles fans, especially now during this exciting time, locally anyway, can't say the same for San Francisco and Dallas and the rest of these guys. Uh, I'm your host today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social platforms at the Philly Pod. You can do the same for my co-host at at half and half underscore TPL. He is Shane Half, and we've if you if you are a regular of listening to us for 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 the last however many weeks you know that we were uber confident in getting to this point so if if you are wondering why there's a lack of i don't want to say lack of excitement and enthusiasm it's because we expected to be here and it's no shock that the eagles got here this team is special they felt special in training camp they felt special early in the season and it shouldn't be a shock to anybody that the eagles have clinched another super bowl berth just five years removed from the last one, Shane, how's it feel, man? We uh, we uh, we made it to the big dance. Jalen Hurts in his second year as a true starter. Nick Sirianni in his uh in, in his short time here in Philadelphia. Jeffrey Larry knows how to pick them, man. He knows how to pick these coaches that get to the Super Bowl in their second year. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't. I, for for everything that people have to say about Roseman and Jeffrey Larry, this organization wins, and they know how to win. And this year is no different. Yeah, uh, what I don't want to happen after the Eagles win the Super Bowl in two weeks is for Nick Sirianni to say this is the new normal and go on a book tour God, no, please. and then us repeat this whole cycle. Um, maybe the Eagles should just preempt that. You know, Sean Payton just got traded for a first-round pick. Maybe they should trade Nick Sirianni for a first-round pick and hire a new coach, and in two years they'll be back in the Super Bowl? Like, is that the, is that the plan here? The plan is to win the Super Bowl every five years, uh, leave your head coach, like have them win the Super Bowl, then leave them and then find a new one and win a ring and just repeat the cycle. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I would have told you after 2017 that in the next five years, the Eagles would be in another Super Bowl, but Carson Wentz wouldn't be on the roster. Doug Peterson would not be the coach. Like nobody would have believed, uh, maybe people would have believed that Nick Foles did it or something right, right. because there was a lot of Nick Foles mania, but like, it's just crazy. After the, after the way Chip Kelly left this organization, what, like eight years ago, mm-hmm. if I told you that the Eagles would go to two Super Bowls with two different coaches and two different quarterbacks, like nobody would have believed it. It's been, it's been a crazy run. Uh, the Eagles were in a really bad spot after 2020 and they've reloaded so quickly and yeah, huge props to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and uh, the whole organization for pulling that off. 
Yeah, so when you look at the uh, the turmoil that that was left after all that eating the at the time the biggest dead cap hit in history, having no quarterback, bringing in a head coach that was seemingly supposed to fix Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz said, "I don't care who you bring in here, I want out." So Sirianni was handed Jalen Hurts, and they seem to be a uh, a match made in heaven to this point. So so very very good vibes right now in the city of Philadelphia. And granted, the uh, the NFC Championship game wasn't the uh the barn burner that we had hoped or maybe that 49ers fans had hoped i'm pretty sure eagles fans don't really care how how this game had ended but man what a uh what a drumming the last couple nfc championship games that the eagles have been involved in have been parties for the most point by the end of the uh it got a little hairy when chris mccaffrey ran over the entire eagles defense on, on the way to the end zone and you started to think to yourself like well, maybe maybe they're gonna make this interesting uh but they blew it open after the turnover josh johnson can barely get his hands on the ball that fumble that was just a drop snap and I know he doesn't have a lot of snaps this season, so it's hard to fault the guy who was thrown into the fire. But just a, just a very bad mistake at that time, but man. Just I guess I guess just it's, it's a couple of days removed from the game now. But oh my my Apple Watch is going off. Sorry, <laughs> speaking too loud in, in, into the watch. But I guess just your general uh, uh, takeaways from the from the game entirely. I know we wanted it to be a little more interesting, but Brock Purdy goes down. But this is what happens when you put reserve tight ends on on one of the premier pass rushers in the league and Hassan Reddick. 49ers fans, I'll go into my rant about how soft 49ers fans have been about this whole thing um, um, after you. But just, I guess, your general feelings, takeaways, initial reactions after the way the Eagles won this game. It, this was just such a bizarre game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for so First of all, we've got the Skycam wire thing with the punt, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how how is there no video that shows like an NFL official in the year 2023 uh really came on there and said we can't tell if a ball hit a massive wire hanging over th- how is there not a video of that like why why didn't the replay crew look at the skycam footage if it shakes the wire probably got hit i'm just saying uh and and this is just the latest in a in a rousing round of skycam wire conspiracies that you had the mac jones pass that may or may not have hit a skycam wire earlier this season uh, in week nine the jets and bills the skycam literally fell onto the field and it delayed the game for like 15 minutes so and that wasn't all the technical difficulties right for the second week in a row the chains got broken again like the eagles literally play in a stadium called the link <laughs> and they cannot get chains to work I I looked at you can go buy 10 yards of chain at Home Depot for like 100 bucks or something like (laughs) I I don't understand why we're still using chains in NFL games we've got a chip in the ball like and yeah the chip is in the middle of the ball so it could be like six inches off I would rather trust that than 50 year old men standing 20 yards away trying to see through the bodies flying around (laughs) and then running in diagonally like it was just crazy um but the Eagles come out and vaunted defense you're concerned about that and they go on an opening drive that's just methodical and on fourth and three you're in field goal range and a lot of coaches would have said let's take our three points let's draw first blood against this defense but Nick Sirianni doesn't hesitate he goes for goes for it on fourth down and you get the fantastic catch air quotes by Devonta Smith and he didn't bring it in but he jumps up and he gives the signal tapping the fists together let's go hurry up run a play and the Eagles run the play and it's just all the little things add up for this team, the aggressiveness on fourth down being so well coached that there's a signal, Hey, let's run up and run a play. And all 10 guys on the field, see Devonta Smith do that. And we get up and run a play before it can be challenged. Like 
all of those things add up and the Eagles end up scoring the touchdown and then the 49ers get the ball, right? And they pick up two first downs and, and, and they're starting to move the ball. And then Hassan Reddick beats backup tight end Tyler Croft and he strip sacks Brock Purdy and it injures him. Uh, he, get, he gets knocked out of the game. And, and from that point, you thought, okay, this could, this could snowball, right? And it didn't. The Eagles offense did nothing on their next three possessions. Mm-hmm. And then Christian McCaffrey scores that touchdown and to tie it up and you start to get a little nervous, but then the Eagles rip off 14 more before half, including a drive where they went for it on fourth and one from their own 34. Yep. You're playing a, a fourth string quarterback and you went for it where if you don't get it, they get a field goal for sure to take the lead. Not there's almost, I, there's probably not another coach that's making that call. And Nick Sirianni makes that call and they convert and they end up scoring a touchdown. And so, you know, it wasn't the strongest game offensively. There were some things that they did that I liked schematically. I would say this was Hurts' worst game of the season. Yeah, not great. Yeah, 16% of his passes were were charted as inaccurate. That's the third highest mark of the year for him. Uh, He had a 37% success rate on dropbacks. It wasn't a good game for Jalen Hurts passing the ball. And yet, the impact that he makes in the running game. You know, they're able to run for nearly 150 yards against a team that only allows 70 yards rushing on the year. He 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 still helps the offense so much, even when he's handing the ball off. You saw like, you know, Fred Warner freezing on that run play to Kenny Gainwell on the outside because of the threat of Hurts. And I thought it was really interesting. They ran, they came out in a lot of three by one formations with the running back on that strong side and they ran to the weak side. So you had to have the linebackers cheating over. If Hertz keeps this, he's got three receivers in front blocking or they could run the bubble. I thought they did a really good job schematically with some of those things. Uh, and they were able to capitalize. And, you know, all the credit in the world to Jeff Stoutland and the run game design and Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni for having the guts to go for it in situations a lot of coaches wouldn't. Yeah, the aggressiveness is surely what uh, <laughs> what make teams great. And I know that if they don't convert that first down, we're probably singing a, a different tune at this point. But um, I, I feel like so even take away the 29 yard pass to uh, Devonta Smith. I, I believe it was. Well, I mean, obviously it wasn't a catch. But I mean, in real time. It looked like a catch, but once you see everybody rushing up to the uh, rushing up to the line of scrimmage and running, and Devontae's doing all the gestures, um, some people were like, "It looked like a celebration." Um, but man, if I'm Shanahan, and I get that you don't want to waste a challenge that early in the game, but I feel like you can at least afford to lose a timeout, and at that point, they have additional time to look at the play, and then maybe something different happens. Us Eagles fans, of course, you know, are are grateful. We know we we're we're not mad about it. But man, if I'm if I'm a coach on the sideline and I see the uh, the urgency that the team is running up to the line of scrimmage with, uh, I I've half a mind to throw that flag just off of that alone, even before I I I, I see the replay, especially when you only got. Uh, a couple angles the catch rule is stupid anyway so i think in in any other world that's a catch i understand what it what did the ground knock it out or whatever the situation is we're still so fuzzy on what a catch is that i still think the league has to fix it but still a fantastic play by by Devonte. nonetheless i thought it was overthrown the fact that I even got a hand on that ball i was i was stunned to say the least yeah uh, Sh- Shanahan should have absolutely thrown the challenge or at least call a I timeout mean, right do one or the other <laughs> could, yeah could it be gamesmanship to get you to burn a challenge or a timeout sure on such a high leverage play fourth and three and it's the first half it's not like it's the second half right you still got another challenge if you lose that it's only the first half if you burn a timeout 
You know how many challenges and timeouts he used that whole game? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Exactly. So use it. You can't take him home. Shanahan, Shanahan is a really good schematic coach Monday through Saturday. He is awful in game management situations. And I talked about that on here last week, that that was something that I was very confident in, is that Shanahan would cost them in game management situations and Nick Sirianni wouldn't. And we saw it play out on the first drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that even uh, uh, Jalen Hurts himself didn't didn't entirely look like himself. Take away that pass. That's where I was headed uh, beforehand. He, he had 121 yards, 29 of those uh, were the Devontae Smith. He missed that deep throw to A.J. Brown that probably ends the game essentially at that point and miss, missed some other plays. He's clearly not healthy. We're, we're never going to know how much this injury is hindering him. He's never going to allow us uh, uh, to know that. But what was your assessment? I don't know how much film you've watched of this game to this point, but your assessment of Jalen Hurts' performance in this game, and should we be concerned? Obviously, it's early to, to, to look at the Super Bowl to this point, but should we be concerned moving forward in this game against, obviously, another hindered quarterback by, by ankle and, and Patrick Mahomes? The rest should should evidently help, but are you concerned at the the lack the how do, how, how do I put the lack of production you saw from Jalen Hurts, or is it just a result of he didn't need to do a whole lot? I think there's a little of both. Once you're onto the fourth string quarterback, and especially once you take the lead, yeah, don't push it. Right? You're going to play ultra conservative. <laughs> like, is Josh Johnson, is Brock Purdy, and now that he's back in and can't throw, are they really going to put up points? You're just not concerned about it. So, um, but I, I did think there were spots like the biggest thing to me is not inaccuracy on the passes obviously he overthrew aj brown on the deep ball he overthrew devonta smith the devonta smith he was scrambling out to his left it was scramble drill maybe he thought smith would keep going up maybe it's just a bad throw because he's out on the run sure did look like you overthrew him (laughs) yeah and and he had a couple you know the aj brown one that he got off the turf i think it was on the first drive well there was a free runner through the b gap on that one so I think some of it was situationally dependent. The thing that was more concerning to me is how uncomfortable he looked in the pocket. I thought the 49ers did a great job of rushing him. And then, you know, the broadcast pointed it out. Greg Olson, by the way, best in the business. But he pointed out that Joey Bosa was rushing. But as soon as he got to the same depth as Hertz, he stopped and he started pushing in instead of getting upfield. He was not giving... Uh, they were very dedicated to not giving Hertz a lane to run through. And I thought... Hertz was a little panicky in the pocket early. And I don't know if the defense he was playing, the pass rush he was facing uh, got into his head a little bit there, but you could tell that he thought that he was going to have more lanes to run and he was coming out of the back of pockets a lot. Now, some of that might be because, you know, he wasn't able to hit receivers in rhythm like he normally is. The secondary was doing a good job too, but I thought he looked off a little bit in his pocket management in this game. Overall, it's not something I'm worried about, you know, heading into the Super Bowl, but but it was something that it, it was one of his worst games in terms of pocket management. Yeah, and I, I'll get to give credit to the corners because uh, le- leading into this game, I was like, I don't know who's going to cover these guys. You have Traverius Ward and Lenore on the other side, and they held they held their own, especially Ward. He he held his own against A.J. Brown, had a nice breakup on, on Quez Watkins as well. So I got to give credit to the corners but yeah i think the 49ers did a good job on defense their defense in fact kept them in this game longer than they probably should have you mentioned the the three force punts earlier in the game fred warner was in and out nick bosa was in and out uh, but these linebackers are fast and effective and they can and they can uh and they can make things tough for a quarterback so i think that the once i was trying to tell people that 
regardless of how the 49ers number one ranked rush defense is, the Eagles are a top ranked rush offense. And I believe in nine weeks prior, the 49ers have only allowed three rushing touchdowns total. The Eagles rushed for four in this game alone. Miles Sanders with two. Uh, Boston Scott with one. I would have never assumed Boston Scott's going to get uh, an NFC Championship touchdown, but here we are, and Jalen Hurts, of course, gets one as uh, as well. And I think even more so than the uh, than the rushing performance, I think the offensive line were probably the stars of this game. Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey put on put on clinics. I've seen a couple of breakdowns to this point of just how effective those guys are. And man, I, if if the Eagles do do you know bring it home and win this ring, it's really difficult for me to see Jason Kelsey returning, especially with Cam Jurgens in the fold. But I feel like this is the best I might have ever seen Jason Kelsey. He's turned it up a notch this season, even better than he is. And I know that's hard to do, but he just seems to be on another on another level this season at 35 years old. And you can't say enough good things about the effort that we've seen from the offensive line in this postseason. Lane Johnson toughing it out through the torrent adductor. Uh, he he knows he's had to just just three games. I got to tough it out, and he only has one more to go before he goes down. He's already goes down as a legend in this city. But man, to 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 tough it out for potentially another ring and just the offensive line in general. I think even Siamalu doesn't get enough credit. He's a name we don't hear a whole lot, and he's been fantastic this year. As well, can't say enough good things about what we've seen from the offensive line this season from from the Eagles. Yeah, and even Jordan Mailata, which exactly. is a guy that I was concerned about in this matchup. He's had a down. He's been great as a run blocker. He's had a down year as a pass protector. Uh, he uh, he's allowed one pressure in fifty seven pass sets in the postseason. He's PFF's highest graded offensive tackle in the postseason. Like. He has turned it up at the right time, and the offensive line has played phenomenal. The defensive line has played phenomenal. Like It's hard to lose games when you are just dominating the trenches that much. The Eagles' pass rush pressured uh, 49ers quarterbacks on 61.9% of their dropbacks per next-gen stats. That's the third highest rate of any game this season. Like, that's not supposed to happen in an NFC title game, and it did. And the defense just dominated this game and I loved that you know for all the talk about Jonathan Gannon and I've been a big defender of Jonathan Gannon mm-hmm. this season but <laughs> there's been there's been lots of talk about his his scheme and his scheme is so vanilla and he doesn't change anything and I saw some things in this game that I really liked I thought this was the most like situational game plan that he's had this season uh, from the jump they came out and they sat in five down fronts and they said you're not going to run the ball on us and I know that makes our pass defense weaker, but if Brock Purdy can drop back and pass against us and beat us, then so be it. And I, I liked that move. I thought it made it made a lot of sense and it worked well. And then all game, the defense was just sitting on in-breaking routes. Like all year, the mantra has been, don't get beat deep. Uh, just give up the underneath plays, live to play another down because eventually we're going to get a sack. And that's not what they tried to do. Like, there's some footage out there, and I'm going to talk about this on an all 22 later. Like James Bradbury got cooked by Brandon Ayuk two different times, and George Kittle <laughs> oh, <man>. once. <laughs> but it's not. It, it's not that he really got cooked. It's that I truly believe a coaching point in this game was you sit on in breaking routes, and the 49ers were running double moves off of it, and the Eagles just said we're fine with that because you're not going to have time for those double moves to pay off, and they didn't because the pass rush got home. Like. It was a huge change in philosophy for Gannon, who is normally prevent explosive plays at all costs. And in this game, he looked at QB tendencies and said, Brock Purdy throws short and intermediate middle of the field 
We are selling out to stop it. And if we get burned, so be it. But I trust our pass rush will get home. And it did. Yeah, that pass rush. I mean, you could say you could say a lot of things about 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 the pass rush, especially one um, uh, Hassan Reddick, who, who took the quarterbacks out of the game. So I guess now this is a good time for 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 the rant. So for the for the 49ers fans who are saying that that are we're, we're we're taking victory laps for beating a fourth string quarterback Shane answer me were both quarterbacks healthy I, I'm the Eagles starting quarterback and the 49ers starting quarterback both quarterbacks were healthy at the start of the game correct ish ish well yeah, I mean yeah. Yeah, I mean as healthy as you can be <laughs> to, to, sure, at, yeah. at this point in the season nobody yeah, Brock Purdy didn't trip getting off the bus nobody contact him, so. contracted like COVID mid like midweek nobody like rolled an ankle in practice and is banged up no, no, no none of this happened both quarterbacks were as ready as ready as you could be for for this game is protecting your quarterback a part of the game plan yes it is, yeah. It, it should be. It should be a part of the game plan. So for the Eagles to take advantage of a matchup, Tyler Croft, I didn't even know that was the guy that was blocking Hassan Reddick because I didn't care enough to know the tight end's name. I just knew it was a tight end. When you have that guy blocking a premier edge rusher who is amongst the league leader in sacks and pressure and QB hits, how do you allow that to happen? If you want your quarterback to play the entire game, you should do your best to protect that guy and keep him in the game. In addition to all these people that are saying that the Eagles had the easiest path to the Super Bowl, the Eagles are beating anybody in the NFC, regardless of who you put in front of them. The Giants, they obviously beat the Vikings, the Seahawks, uh, the 49ers. Who could you have put in front of the Eagles that would have deemed you to say, yes, that's a good path to the Super Bowl? The Eagles are beating all of these teams because the disparity in talent is so great that it doesn't matter who they would have faced. They would have beaten down anybody and the whole purpose of getting the number one seed is to give yourself a favorable road to the super bowl so i don't want to hear about easiest path easiest road you bust your ass all season long to give yourself that easiest possible path to the super bowl so now that the eagles are here everybody's trying to discredit it i don't understand it hassan reddick did his job you hate to see the kid go down we would have loved to see what brock purdy uh uh would have been able to do. I know the 49ers have now have a lot of questions. They need to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. This game just leaves a lot of unanswered questions on questions for them. Yes, you would have liked to see a better matchup. Nobody wants to try and see Christian McCaffrey launch a ball to nobody. You don't want to see Josh Johnson come in. I, I understand all these things. But at the end of the day, the Eagles did what they had to do to win the game. You move on. And that's where we're at. I know years ago when Carson Wentz got knocked out of it, nobody was screaming. I don't, I don't remember getting any sympathy when Carson Wentz went down with that concussion. Nobody said, oh, oh, it's a shame. You know, we feel bad for the guy. They made jokes. They made memes. They said, oh, he's injury prone. They did all this stuff while Josh McCown was running around on a torn hamstring and still almost won the game. So I really have no sympathy for the 49ers fans. It sucks for the kid. I feel for the kid and Brock Purdy. And now he has to, you know, go through the six-month uh, torn UCL rehab and all that stuff. But as far as sympathy from other fan bases, I do not care how you get to the Super Bowl. Just get there and deal with it. <laughs> that was a long-winded yeah, thing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot I want to respond to there. <laughs> but I'm going to start with this. His name is Hassan Reddick, right? Hassan of House Reddick, rightful heir to Defensive Player of the Year, destroyer of worlds, the, the pass rusher of the great NFC East, the king of strip sacks, and unfortunately in this game, the breaker of quarterbacks. Um, you know, he, he hits Brock Purdy and you get the injury. A and then they leave him unblocked again later in the game asking for, for a run on Josh Johnson. Just asking like, for it. Why? I do not understand. Yeah. But I mean, obviously I, I, I feel bad in that moment for 49ers players, for the fans, 
because we remember 2019 when Carson Wentz, the cheap shot from Jadavion Clowney, and that one was a cheap shot. This was not. It's a exactly. football play. Exactly. Um, but I remember how I felt watching Josh Johnson in that game. That sucks. It sucks for your season to end that way. And so I do hate that. I wish Purdy had played the whole game. The notion that they would have won if he had, though, like it was his third drop back of the game and he turned the ball over. Like the Eagles were not scared of that. They were not scared of Brock Purdy playing the whole game. And we'll never know what would have happened, but I got a pretty good idea based the on. The Eagles were winning regardless. Yeah, I got a pretty good idea based on how the Eagles ran the ball and how they rushed the passer that game. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is. And you, you talk about an easy path to the Super Bowl. Uh, First of all, that's why you get the one seed. Exactly. So you play one less game and you play the easiest team left exactly. every step of the way. But let's talk about another one seed in the Kansas City Chiefs. Victor, how much better are the Kansas City Chiefs than the Jacksonville Jaguars? Very much so. Very much so. The Jacksonville Jaguars shouldn't even have been there. They just had the crazy comeback against against the Chargers, but very in a different tier than the Jaguars altogether. And it was a seven-point game. Mm-hmm. Because postseason games are tough no matter who you play. The Eagles have won back-to-back playoff games by 24-plus points. They're the first team to do that since 1989. And because we do that, we get frowned upon. Because we beat down our opponents so badly, it made it look easy. And people think it's – if if, the, if both these games were three seven-point games, it'd be a different tune. Be like, oh, they really eked it out. The fact that we dominated these opponents make people say it's an easy path. I, I find it hard to believe that. I really do. <laughs> yeah, and, and people – throwing out the soft schedule thing right you had a soft schedule this year that's why you got the one seed the eagles are nine and one this year against teams with winning records they played in the toughest division in football nine and one against teams with winning records is the best in history easy schedule by what metric by win percentage by the eye test <laughs> yeah by win percentage nine teams had an easier schedule including the chiefs and the 49ers by ESPN's Football Power Index, nine teams had an easier schedule, including the 49ers. By DVOA, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Eagles were all bottom four teams. It's almost as if, and follow me here, it's almost as if winning all of your games makes your opponent's records worse. I know that's earth-shattering, but good teams have weak strength of schedule because they hand everybody they play a loss and that impacts thing like you can't this is not alabama playing southern louisiana tech these are nfl football teams these are professional athletes there is no easy schedule in the nfl like you can make that argument in october when you're trying to do your power rankings you can't make that argument when you're talking about a Super Bowl team. It's just, it just, it just doesn't rain true. It's, it, it gives off sore loser energy, and I just don't under understand it. And uh, again, Hassan Rick is the guy that knocked him out. Try and block that guy if you want to keep your starting quarterback in the game. Shane, I have two players here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read to you, and you tell me which one should be a defensive player of the year. These are 2022 stats, including the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, player A, 18 and a half sacks. 39 QB hits, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Player B, 19 and a half sacks, 30 QB hits, six forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries. Which player in your estimation deserves defensive player of the year? That's player B. And obviously. And let me tell you another thing. Player A has been shut out of sacks in all three playoff games that they played in. Not a single sack Nick Bosa had in the playoff game. This is your defensive player of the year. This guy that had one QB hit and zero sacks. 
in the postseason. I just, I, Hassan Reddick is on while, a tear. While we're, a tear. while we're on awards here, too, by the way, Nick Sirianni ends the year not being one of the final three Coach of the Year finalists. It's Doug Peterson, it is uh, Brian Dable, and it is uh, Kyle Shanahan. And by the way, if you look at preseason over-under win totals, you say the Eagles have a loaded roster, whatever. No team won more games above their win total than the Eagles. So don't say that this was expected. But besides all that, he goes 5-0 and against those Coach of the Year finalists. 5-0. and He beat all three of those guys that combined five times didn't lose a game. Very reminiscent of 2017 when Doug Peterson lost the award to Sean McVay, who he beat in route to his Super Bowl. And let's talk about comeback player of the year, too. Mm-hmm. Comeback player of the year, you got Brandon Graham, tore his Achilles at 33 years old. He comes back in his 34-year-old season, and he has 11 sacks, a career-high, double-digit sacks. He's not even a finalist. Instead, we have Geno Smith, who is coming back from being a bad football player, Christian McCaffrey, who's coming back from a strained hamstring, Saquon Barkley, who's coming back from a sprained ankle, and Jared Goff, who missed two total games last year with a knee injury. Brandon Graham's not even a finalist. You know, Smith came back from the bench, like you said, came back from being terrible. Coming back from being bad at football does not warrant a comeback player. Great story. I'm not discrediting Geno. I love Geno Smith personally. Went to uh, he's a W guy. Like I like I like what he's done this year. This is why I believe there needs to be a most improved award. Most improved award. He far and away deserves that comeback. What did he come back from? Adversity? Is that what it is? Adversity? He can't. I can't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Brandon Graham definitely deserves that to be in that conversation. You know how hard it is to come back from an Achilles injury at our age, Shane, I'm, I'm late twenties. I don't know how old you are, but I know in the mid thirties, it's probably rough. It's probably rough to come back from a ruptured Achilles, maintain that burst off the line of scrimmage and still pursue professional quarterbacks and offensive linemen. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not easy to do. I mean, people really need to sit and think about the things that this Eagles defensive line is doing between Linval Joseph and Adamican Sue, who got in Trent Williams' face after he did what he did. Mind you, what is the purpose? How how much does Kayvon Wallace weigh? What is he, like 175? What is Trent Williams, 320? What is the point? What are we doing here? What kind of poor sportsmanship? All the, I see Niners fans complaining about, oh, Philly was rough and the link was rough and they were intense and I don't think I'm going to go back. Talk to your players who are literally throwing guys half their size around the field for no reason whatsoever. This is ridiculous. That was a very, very poor act of sportsmanship. And that's from a guy that I enjoy watching and Trent Williams. I expect better from him. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I felt bad for 49ers fans, but when Dre Greenlaw throws three punches at the ball after you can clearly hear the that whistles. That wasn't just punching. That was like haymakers. Yeah. Like <laughs> When Trent Williams throws Kevon Wallace down well after a whistle, I start to no longer feel bad for your players uh, at all. And then with the incessant whining that's gone on on social media, oh, I don't man. really feel bad for fans anymore. It's bad, man. They, uh, they, uh, they, they're, they're approaching like Dallas fans, like Saints fans used to be whiners for, for, for a while like this. 49ers fans are all a lot of people are like, oh, uh, they're 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 uh, parading about beating a team with no quarterback. And I'm trying to tell people, like, dude, we did this. And people paraded around us when they beat uh, uh, Josh McCown and on a torn hamstring. And there was no uh, there was no sympathy for that. So I just don't get the easiest path things when we beat the quote unquote, the red hot Giants. People were saying the Giants were going to come in here and upset us. And they beat the Vikings and the Eagles aren't ready and all of this. And then we beat down the best defense in football. And last I checked, Brock Purdy doesn't play defense. You ran, you ran up and down a defense that has allowed 
three rushing touchdowns over the last nine weeks, and you gave them four of them and over 100 yards on the ground. It wasn't a dominant, like a crazy dominant performance on the ground, but it was enough to get it done. And because of that, the Eagles are the last NFC team standing and on the way to the Super Bowl. That's that's all you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's it. That's that's end of story. Send tweet, publish the show. Eagles are going to the Super Bowl <laughs> because they were the best team in the and NFC. That's, it's, that's and that easy. Been the entire season. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did you like Christian McAfee's pass attempt? Uh, his launch 50 yards downfield. I was wondering, <laughs> how's that not intentional grounding? I mean, uh, they were just I don't know. trying to be, trying to be, uh, trying to, trying to, whatever they were doing. And there was a lot of, there's some late hits going around and there was some, there was some all this. Oh, what, one more quick thing about this game before I let you uh, put, put a bow on it. Is Kenneth Gainwell... On, on par with or better than Corey Clement in 2017? Because I'm seeing a lot of comparisons. Where do you where do you lie? Yeah, on that? It, it's it's been kind of crazy. Like he's a guy that I didn't really want the ball in his hands much during the year because good things didn't really happen that much. And he had a really good game against the Giants. Uh, he did a good job in this game. One of the things I thought the Eagles did well was. Uh, targeting him real quick on checkdowns because the the Niners linebackers were dropping so deep and you know he made that one catch off the turf made two linebackers miss he's played exceptionally well and uh, it gives me a lot of confidence in him moving forward in the next year and beyond obviously we had a lot of confidence in Corey Clement too and that never panned out so Hopefully this isn't just a flash in the pan, but he's looked really good the last few weeks. Yeah, especially carrying the football. And we know that he's the passing back on uh, on most downs, but he's been he's been turning it up in the postseason at the right time. So uh, let, let's hope. I, I hope this doesn't uh, <laughs> make Philadelphia think like when the offseason comes around and they look at the playoff tape and they say, you know what, we don't need Miles Sanders. We're going to use Kenneth Gainwell as our three down back. Hopefully they're not they're not they're not thinking that. I'm a bit higher on paying Miles Sanders than you are. I know we had that talk. Um, um, last episode, but that's something we'll look into. Uh, we'll look into in the uh, in the off season. Any other final final points? Not a whole lot to really to really touch on. This game was it was tough for for Debo Kittle. Any of those guys to really get anything going? Kittle was obviously frustrated uh, after the game, but he talked a big a big game beforehand, and that's and that's and that's what's going to happen. Kenneth Gainwell gave you forty eight yards on the ground. Miles Sanders gave you forty two and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts gave you thirty nine. Boston Scott gave you twenty one. And I will say before I let you. Before I let you wrap it up, Shane Gardner Minshew got NFC Championship snaps before Dak Prescott. So hey, take that Dallas fan. <laughs> they can take that for what it's worth. Like, <laughs> oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Maybe they should trade for him. Yes, that'd be nice. Yeah, they just said this morning that they're all their confidence is in Dak Prescott. But did you see the Cowboys' Twitter 
like after that loss, what's going on? Their interns are on one, man. They're throwing everybody under the bus. It's it is it is wild. Shout out to uh, we will give a shout out to D'Amico Ryan's head coach for the Texans, right? Loved him when he was here. Um, we just had to beat him. I think he coached a fairly good game, but your hands are kind of tied when you don't have a quarterback that can throw a forward pass, obviously. But I think he's gonna be good for Houston, has a lot of ties there. I think he's 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 just the guy that can kind of turn that franchise around. Yeah, and early speculation is that he might have Brian Johnson, the Eagles QB coach, pegged to be his oh, offensive coordinator. I love so staff, man. We'll, we'll see what transpires there. It does seem like the Eagles might retain both Steichen and oh. Gannon. Gannon said after the game that uh, Gannon said after the game that he's here to stay. And then, of course, Steichen was associated with both the Texans and the Broncos, who both have head coaches now. So, uh, in Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryan. So, it looks like we could be trending towards uh, running it back with the same play callers. You're a little too, sure. you're a little too happy. You're a little too happy about that. No, I'm kidding. Jonathan Gannon is a good coach. I think he's good. I think he was. I think he was uh, uh, the better defensive coordinator in this game. To to be honest, as much as I love to of uh, D'Amico, so I think keeping. I think there's a better chance now that Steichen goes somewhere. He's still in the mix for the Colts. I think Frank Reich is gone. Obviously, I think it would be ironic how Steichen goes to that team and we maintain the relationship with the with the Colts that 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 the Eagles have. But uh, yeah, if you can retain both coordinators, that obviously builds well. Gannon might have a tougher job next season because he might have, you know, five six different starters next year. The way this offseason list is looking, um, so that's obviously something. But yeah, good. Gannon's been good this year for all the flack he gets, and I know people want him to be more aggressive, and he's got a blitz and you got to do all this, but uh. He's been good, and he's 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 led a championship defense, a uh, franchise record-setting sack defense, and you can't ask uh, for much more there. Anything else on this game that kind of kind of we, we had our rants, we had our recaps for what it's worth. We hope we hope Jalen Hurts is okay. That arm isn't bothering him, isn't too much. And Lane Johnson got to tough it out for one more game. Just a masterful monster performance he's put on thus far in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, nothing specific on this game. Uh, although I've been working on a project. Oh yeah. Um, so you know. I, the question always goes, well, the question's going around now, like which team is better, this team or the 2017 team and things like that. But I've been working on a project with DVOA data. So uh, if it, any of our listeners are not familiar with DVOA data, it stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. It basically grades out every play and it standardizes it to the league average. And it basically says how much better or worse is this passing offense than league average? How much better or worse is this run defense than league average? And they actually do this like for a ton of years. It goes back pre-2000. I only went back to 2000. but So I've got all the data for the Eagles team since 2000 to now. Every single, so let's play a little game. Every here. single roster. Let's huh? play a little game. All right. Yeah, everyone. So let's play a little game, Victor. We'll go. Let's do offense first. Where do you think out of those 23 years, where do you think this year's passing offense ranks out of 23 where do i think this passing offense ranks so the i feel like the only one that can remote, remotely can compete are the ones that had sean jackson and jeremy macklin but is this offense better? it has to be it has to be the best because this is the first time is this the first time ever in franchise history that the eagles have had two thousand yard receivers um you can kind of count the zach Ertz when when he had he set the franchise record for receptions i believe um so you got to factor in tight ends but i will say that because I don't think the Super Bowl year, I think Ertz was the only thousand yard, thousand yard player. I don't think Alshon and all them even even hit a thousand yards. So I'll I'll say this year's first. It has to. Uh, this year is actually sixth. Oh, it, it ranks it ranks sixth uh, at plus twenty three point nine percent. So twenty three point nine percent above league average. First place, 
uh, went to the 2006 Eagles passing attack. And second place was that 2017 team. So uh, now keep in mind, because you were you were going to like the number of thousand yard receivers. It's it's all adjusted to like value over average. Right, right. So it takes it weights in efficiency a lot as mm. well. So so out of the last 23 years, sixth best passing offense that the Eagles have had. So now let's talk about this rushing attack. Where do you think this rushing attack ranks out of the last 23 years for the Eagles? All right. So I think back to the deuce. They had Deuce, Buckhalter, and uh, and Westbrook. Was that trio ever a thing? So they might have had those three running around. Uh, they were they were very dominant on the uh, on the ground in the in, in twenty seventeen. So I'll say this year, I'll give them because they weren't like a, a very dominant rushing defense in the in the two thousands when I was growing up. I'll give seventeen the uh, rushing offense, rushing uh, rushing offense. offense, right, right, rushing offense, and they, they didn't they they weren't like crazy, you know, running the ball when I'm growing up as far as I can remember. Um, of course, LaShawn McCoy was around. I'll give the I'll give the edge to like two of the McCoy years and the seventeen year because Legarrette Blunt and all them were running crazy. So I'll give them fourth for this season. Fifth, pretty close. Right. Pretty close. Uh, first was two thousand three. Uh, second place was two thousand seven. Actually, the twenty seventeen team is nineteenth on that Oof, list. Dang. So it was not a very efficient rushing team as much as we love the LeGarrette Blount. <laughs> he was running games. over everybody. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about their rushing defense mm. now. Uh, where do you think their rushing defense ranks out of tw- the last 23 years for Eagles teams? Yeah, it, has to, it has to be like in the middle because they've, they've always like those Jim Johnson defenses and they've, they've always been good in the trenches because Andy Reid instilled in that instilled that into into the organization where he showed up so i will say that they are about and they weren't even number one this year they were number one last year but not this year so i'll give them 12th for this season they're actually 22nd yeah i knew they couldn't be up there they had to be further on the list (laughs) it's the second worst rushing off or defense excuse me that the eagles have had uh since the year 2000 and so then we'll, we'll end up well I'll give you the total one too, but let's talk passing defense. Where do you think this passing defense ranks? So let's see, Bobby and Troy. So I got you. Got to give you. Got to give time to when Lido and Sheldon and Dawkins and Michael Lewis were here. They had they had to be. I don't I don't know the stats offhand of how how good they were, but that had to be up there. But this passing defense was number one for a majority of the year, if not all year. So I'll say they're top five. I will give them third. Only because I feel like the years when Lido, Sheldon, and Dawkins were here and Michael Lewis, they had to be up there. And when Bobby and Troy were here, I would like to think that they were locking down receivers as well. So I will say they are top five. I'll give them third sounds too high. I'll give them fifth. They were actually second. Oh, so the second best. Uh, the best was twenty or 2008. Uh, this was the second best. So. Pretty pretty stacked. The best was 08? What was their what was, who were their what was their roster at that time? Uh, that that is a good question. I don't have the answer to. I got you. I'll pull it up. Go ahead. I'll pull it up in the meantime. Okay. While you're pulling that up, so now that all gets coalesced together into your total at team DVOA, this is how we could say. This is how we could guess. You know, what is the best team that the Eagles have had in the last 23 years uh, in terms of efficiency? Where do you think this year's team ranks? <sighs> Well, passing defense really pegged them down there. So I'll give, I'll say, out of all the teams, the twentieth, I will say they are overall the sixth best. I'll give them six, just outside the top five. They are number five. Oh, number so five. close. 
behind 08, 09, 01, and 06. And I think a big portion of that's probably the inefficiency of garbage time play, which they had a lot of this year. So to answer everyone's question, who is better, the 2017 or the 2022 team? At the 2022 team's total DVOA was 25.2%. 2017 is 23.7. So about a 2.5% difference. Um, here's my here's my raw data if you guys are interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can check it out. Here it is by year um, and kind of color-coded. I'm going to tweet this out later, though, so you don't have to be watching on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasting apps later, you can check this out. Uh, and you can actually filter it by any team you want. But that was a fun little project I was working on today. I thought I'd share. So overall, really, really good team. Surprisingly, efficiency-wise, not even a top three Eagles team in the last 23 years, though, the, for what that's worth. The uh, the 2008 uh, defensive depth chart, as far as secondary is concerned, was Asante Samuel, Sheldon Brown, Quentin Michael, and Brian Dawkins. So not too shabby, not too shabby. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome roster. That's pretty that's pretty solid. One other one other topic I wanted to hit on because I, I had just mentioned him was Andy Reid, and I'm sitting here. It's you know there's so many storylines going into the Super Bowl that we'll touch on in the coming weeks between the Kelseys and Jalen Hurts against the guy who took the MVP from him and the Andy Reid Bowl and all all this whole thing. But I'm seeing people not not like dragging Andy Reid, but like I guess I guess I'll say disrespecting Andy Reid. Like so for me. I, I grew up in the in the you know late '90s, early 2000s era when Andy Reid was all I knew. I fell in love with the Eagles when it was McNabb and Andy Reid. That's all I knew as far as the Eagles football. And people are saying, "Why should we respect him? He didn't win anything here." But from what I've heard from the people I've spoke to that were around prior to Andy Reid, is that the Eagles are relevant because of Andy Reid. And obviously, four NFC Championship games, most winning coach in in franchise history to this point. And I just feel like for everything he did for the franchise, and it wasn't like he had to leave because he was a poor coach. It was just it soured and it was time to go in a, in a different direction. For the people that say he didn't win anything here, why should we feel for the guy? Allen Iverson didn't win anything here, and we love him to death. Brian Dawkins didn't win anything here. We obviously love him to death. And Andy Reid, yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, he does owe us a Super Bowl, and he's probably going to give it to us in two weeks. But the i don't i don't understand the hate for him i i have nothing but love for andy reed because he's the one of the reasons why i love eagles football so much so i'm curious on where you cut which side of the fence you you stand on as far as the andy reed love hate is it forget him he sold the bag his time management costed us a ring uh, i i've i've nothing for him or or are you appreciative of what he was able to do during his tenure in philadelphia I love Andy Reid. How can you and say anything else? The, How can you say anything yeah, else? Yeah, I, I root for the Chiefs in every game they play, except for this one. Like, I love, I love Andy Reid. Um, now, when Andy Reid was near the end of his time here, I thought it was time for him to go. It, it, you can only stay in one place so long before sort of that monotony sets in, and you need new ideas and things. So I was ready. I and I knew it was time for Reid to go. I didn't harbor any ill will, but I wanted Reid to go. Uh, and I was going to root for him wherever he ended up. I just thought his time up was up in Philly. Uh, yeah, I love Andy Reid. There's no tainted legacy there for me. There's a lot of great coaches that weren't able to get it done somewhere. Uh, I love Reid to death. Yeah, as 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 do I. I was just curious on why I saw certain fans like I don't understand the love for Reid. He didn't win anything here. Blah blah. I love I love that man to death. And he uh and uh, he he did a lot of good for Philadelphia. Obviously, he's going to he's going to have to go down <laughs> in a couple weeks. Of uh, I, nothing but good thoughts and memories I have I have from that. 
Uh, fun fact: While I'm sitting here staring at this 2008 roster, you know who was, uh, you know who was on the depth chart at defensive tackle? Monte Rager. That's a that's an interesting. <laughs> Jalen Rager's father was on this team's roster. And, oh wait, I'm staring <laughs> at it, and I've been staring at it like, wow, he really was on this team. Um, so that's that's a fun little tidbit there. Uh, any, anything else you want to you want to touch on for this game? I think I've gotten all my anger and hatred and rants. Uh, for the for the 49ers fan base and everybody that's hating on us and the Eagles by the way are in their third Super Bowl since 1996 how many Dallas got how many NFC championships do they have let alone Super Bowls yeah big zero everybody's they like haven't even been out of, they haven't even been to an NFC exactly exactly everybody screams like oh you're in the Super Bowl still talk about Dallas yes I will drag them in any chance I get I don't care <laughs> it's fine with me uh but any any other rants jokes anything you gotta you gotta get off before we get off here <laughs> Um, so let's talk MVP for just a oh, second. Yeah. Mahomes is going to win the MVP, right? He's minus 750 right now. Uh, he's pretty much, he's going to win it. We pretty well know that it won't be announced for another week and a half, but assuming he wins it, uh, Victor, do you know when the last time a uh, MVP won the Super Bowl was? And, and, uh, a, a league MVP that won the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't Rogers. 1999. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kurt Warner did it. Kurt. So, if if Mahomes wins the MVP, we can just hope it continues the long-standing tradition of MVPs not winning the Super Bowl. I would take that. Um, nine times since the year 2000, the MVP has made the Super Bowl, and they lost all nine times. Do you know what the most recent example of an MVP making the Super Bowl and losing was? Right. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers keeps coming to mind. Who was it? 2017, a guy named Tom Brady ah, won the MVP ah. award, and he met the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And obviously, we all know the rest of that history. So assuming Mahomes wins, the Eagles will try to prevent an MVP from winning the Super Bowl for the second time in a row. It happened in 2017. It's going to happen in 2022 or 2023, 2022 season. Uh, so let's just keep that streak alive. Yeah, that's be, that would be good, especially as we all know by now, uh, the, the first Super Bowl with two black uh, quarterbacks. Uh, facing off so that's also history uh Jalen Hurts's agent Nicole Lynn is the first black female uh the first black female agent to represent a quarterback in the Super Bowl so no short storylines uh for this Super Bowl you can you can write it up any way any any way you can between the Kelseys and Andy Reid and the MVPs going at it and two black quarterbacks going at it for the first time in history it's going to be a fun show in Arizona both of these teams actually won in Arizona earlier in the year so this is going to be there looking for their each of them are looking for their second win at a State Farm Stadium the patches look pretty cool too I'm kind of sad they're not wearing the black I, I figured they wouldn't be but I had hope but the midnight green with the patches have you seen them they look they look pretty dope yeah it looks pretty awesome uh one other one other one that you're talking about there the storylines uh Jalen Hurts would also become in my opinion at least the first like true dual threat quarterback to win a Super Bowl if he wins. I mean, Mahomes has Russell one. Wilson I count? Really cons- Does Russell Wilson count? Yeah, that's the one I was going to give as a caveat. <laughs> like, Mahomes, I wouldn't count as a dual threat. Like, he's an improviser. He's a scrambler, right? Uh, you have Russell Wilson. Maybe you want to count him. Uh, I don't know. If, if you think in terms of rushing, like, Russell Russell Wilson has never had, like, a 600-yard rushing right, season. Right. He won it in 2013. Oh no, I take that back. He had a, he had an 800 yard rushing season in 2014. So, so maybe you would count Russell Wilson in that. I'm not sure, but if you don't count Russell Wilson as a true dual threat, I kind of consider him more of an improvising type guy yeah. as well. Uh, you're splitting hairs at that point, but he would be the first true like 
running quarterback. I mean, Cam didn't win his. Uh, he was kind of that running quarterback. Yeah. And it's a newer breed. Lamar hasn't won one. So he's got the the chance to be the first of that kind of archetype that would win the Super Bowl. And then we could finally get off the topic that uh that <laughs> dual threat quarterbacks aren't sustainable. And now we can stop we could start saying stop drafting these uh pocket statues. Uh and then the t- I feel like the game is changing anyway. I feel like the game is moving towards more like hybrid quarterbacks, guys who are mobile, guys who can run the RPO. Uh, and putting that in motion. And people are, are going to look at Jalen Hurts and say, maybe our guy can do that. Chicago's moving forward with Justin Fields. I saw that this morning. They're going to hope they can do some similar things uh, that Jalen Hurts has done in this season. But can't say enough great things about just the season in general. What a fun year it's been. I feel like it just started, and now it's almost at, a, at an end already. I'm almost sad because at the end of this, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here. And um, and um, this 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 team is special. It's going to go down in history, regardless of the outcome in the Super Bowl. We, we we obviously feel like that they're going to win it all, but regardless of the outcome, just the memories and the things that have that this team has been been able to do. AJ Brown's first season in a Super Bowl, and uh, just just Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts' stoic expressions of knowing the job's not finished. That Alabama mindset carries over into the pros, and just thinking back to. We just the draft day reactions to Jalen Hurts and what is going on here and how are we just just how how are we how does this make sense? You just handed Carson Wentz's wild contract and now we have another guy that's going to come in here and potentially challenge him for that spot after a concussion. It was just it didn't make sense for a lot of reasons and now we're here and the guy's leading us to a Super Bowl and a potential MVP uh, candidate. Shane, any 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 last uh, not last words but final thoughts? Any final thoughts? On just, I guess, just the, the season in general, it's it's coming to a head now, and it, it it flew by. I feel like I was just at the home opener, and and we're about to watch this 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 Super Bowl, and we've we've been doing just from a content creation standpoint, as a fan standpoint, I started doing this stuff around the double doink era, so I did I didn't know what it was like to cover the team, you know, when, when they won the championship. This has been some of some of the best fun anybody could have. Yeah, and in, in twenty sixteen. I was running a Facebook group that had 15 people in it, writing stuff in it about the Eagles. And in 2017, they're like, you should start a blog or something because your stuff's pretty good. So I started a blog and I wrote, I blogged through the, the Eagles Super Bowl season in 2017 and uh, into 2018 and 2019. It was just a little thing I did when COVID hit. Uh, I, I reached out to Vince Gwynn. He was starting a, a website called the spark and i went to go write about the nfl i remember those days that was a minute ago <laughs> yeah yeah and he sent me to the painted lines to do eagles stuff and so you know i did a little i did eagles writing for 2020 which was a dreadful season but i i was writing like one article a week and then in 2021 i started podcasting and now in 2022 it's been podcasting for bgn and for the painted lines and for my own podcast and doing all 22 and it's just ramped up incredibly but uh, it's been a phenomenal season. It's been a lot of fun. Like just remember these seasons don't come around all the time. Eagles fans might feel a little spoiled. It's twice in five years, but these seasons don't come around all the time. So enjoy it. uh, Live in that moment. I definitely appreciate all of you listeners, everybody that makes this possible. What Victor and I do is not fun if people don't click and if people don't listen and if people don't interact. So I really appreciate you guys uh, coming along on the journey with us. And we'll be back next week. We'll do a big Super Bowl preview podcast. And then we'll be back the week after to celebrate a Super Bowl win. And and then, we'll I don't know, we'll figure out what we're doing in the offseason. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun ride. You guys buckle up. Enjoy the next two weeks. I, I'm going to be 
having a lot of sleepless nights <laughs> thinking about Patrick Mahomes, to be honest. Yeah, it's going to be uh, popping bottles all camera if we, uh, <laughs> if we win that. And also a uh, big thanks to Bleeding Green Nation for allowing Shane and I to uh, join you guys every single week and uh, uh, allow us to provide you guys with the coverage and the reactions and just talking with you guys about uh, the this beloved Eagles team. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on all pod platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Leave those reviews, rate five stars, all of them are very, very important. Thank you guys uh, for doing that. Follow me, Victor Williams, on all social platforms at the Philly Pod. Do the same for Shane at half and half underscore TPL. Be sure to uh, find his link tree so you can find the links to all the podcasts, the writing, the uh, uh, especially the YouTube channel, the, the the home of everything, the all 22 breakdowns, everything else he provides you guys to help you better understand how special this Eagles team is. So uh, be sure to go ahead, subscribe to that channel. Uh, before he gets too big and doesn't respond to any of you. So that, that's going to be the, the, the case there. We'll join you guys next week, like Shane said, for the preview of the Super Bowl show. But until the end, we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace out, guys. Go Birds. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.